What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Showcase Sports Show. I am Griffin Conant. Alongside me, as always, my partner in crime, Elijah Cornejo. How you doing, E? You know, Griff, I had quite an eventful week of sports that I watched. Oh, my. I think things really got kicked off with all the craziness with the fights on Saturday night. Holy cow. Nate Robinson, Jake Paul, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. It was quite a night of fights. Yeah, I'd like to kind of go into that and talk about the... uh... Just the the whole night as a, as a whole. I mean, it was just unbelievable witnessing just some of these interviews that were taking Pure place. entertainment, um, all of it. After the fights. I mean, the fact that Nate Robinson lost to a YouTuber. I mean, Mike Tyson is, is, is fighting in 2020. It was insane. I mean, there was just so much going on. All right, well, let's break this down. First, we're going to hear this clip from Jake Paul directly in his interview after knocking out former NBA three-time yeah. dunk champion Nate Robinson. Yeah, I mean, I've been training my ass off, like, for the past year. I'm taking, I'm taking this seriously. There's a long list of opponents that I want. You know, Conor McGregor, Dylan Dennis. I'm going to knock them both out. Um, That's what you want to do next? You know, there's my brother. There's KSI on the line, Austin McBroom. You know, I, I want to be in this sport for a long time, and there's no there's, – I'm in love with it, so why not? So there you have it, Jake Paul listing off his long list of athletes that he wants to knock out now after knocking out Nate Robinson. And that list is headlined with Conor McGregor. That's a (laughs) hot take. Griff, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think he'll survive? Here's the deal. Jake Paul is 2-0, right? He's only had two professional fights ever, and, and he's undefeated. Give him a shot. Conor McGregor, if you're listening to this, Jake Paul wants you. He wants you bad. I'll tell you what. If that'll be the day, that will be the day that Conor McGregor steps inside I, the ring with Jake Paul. Oh my gosh, the hell with buying pay per view. I will spend a thousand dollars right now to see that fight. It won't last very long. Conor McGregor will knock him out. Yeah, you know, I just I have to feel bad for uh, Nate Robinson in this whole debacle. I mean, it's just so sad to see a three-time slam dunk champion. Right? Three? Didn't he win it three times? He did. He won the it three Kryptonite. Times. To Superman himself, Dwight Howard. I mean, it was iconic him jumping over Dwight Howard and winning those dunk contests. And he goes out here. I mean, props to Nate Robinson, you know, trying the whole boxing thing. It seems like he's done it all, of course. He played college football at Washington in the NBA for years. And now he's boxing. He actually was calling out Jake Paul prior to the fight. Absolutely. Let's listen to that clip right now. Corey, thank you very much uh, for the question. Uh, Nate, how familiar are you with with Jake Paul and and maybe his brother as well? They're obviously very big stars. Uh, Were you familiar with him when you were offered this fight? Uh, I mean, his brother, you know, you see his brother on on the Disney Channel, uh, you know, making making people laugh. You're dumb. (laughs) Him on Disney doing all so much stuff, man. So uh, I follow Jake's YouTube, of course. I mean, how can you not? I mean, listen, he's already interrupting the interview. Already, Bro, very, very disrespectful. Very disrespectful, and uh, for me, it's just me gonna be—it's gonna be fun to see him November twenty-eighth. Talking shit on Instagram. Oh so God. of course you knew who I was. You were saying, "Oh, Jake's <laughs> never fought a real athlete." Jake's and I have—I am I lying? Shut, have you? You haven't. No, you haven't. Up. You're fighting only shut YouTube. Up. You and your that brother only fight anything. YouTubers. That's it, bro. So. You're going to fight a real athlete and for the first you time fought? in your life. And who have you fought? You fought nobody. Don't worry, I ain't fight nobody. I fight you. you I'm going to fight you. you <laughs> I'm going to beat your ass. 
I'll beat your You're ass too. You're boring and you suck. I know, man. Just come bring that same energy November 28th, bro. You know you're 28th, boring. Bro. You know you're yeah, boring and I'm you very know you boring. suck. That's good. At least you know Very something. boring. And you sure as hell don't know how to box. You I sure don't. as hell don't know I how don't. to box. I don't. And so won't you show me? Show me November 28th, bro. That's all you got to do. I'm going to show you. Thank you. I, Thank that's you. what I'm going to do, Nate. I'm going to do that. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. There you go. You asked for it. boy. You asked for it. All I right, did. Christmas. It's Christmas time, and I'm going to give you everything you asked for because I'm Thank Santa you. Claus, baby. Appreciate Woo! it. Thank you, baby. Appreciate it. So there you have it. Nate Robinson asking Jake Paul to show him how to box. And boy, did he. He absolutely manhandled oh. little Nate Robinson. I felt bad for him. I like Nate Robinson. Oh. I loved him when he was in the NBA, you know, throwing down in the, the he, dunk contest. He was a great player. He was a great day. player. And you know what? He was awesome, and I really liked Nate, but I lost a lot of respect for him. Not because, I mean, obviously I gained respect for him trying boxing and coming out and doing that, but he made athletes look really bad, man. He you got know, manhandled by a YouTuber. I've totally changed my um, ideal career path here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a YouTuber, and then uh, I'm going to get into boxing, and then I'm, I'm going to schedule a fight against a former NBA player and knock him out and, and just knock him to the canvas. Well, you know, I mean, if you're Jake Paul, that's a pretty cool story. That I knocked is. out an NBA player. I mean, I, I didn't think he had it in him. And I didn't. Props either. to him, I guess, for, I mean, you, he went up against a, a pretty good athlete, Nate Robinson. I mean, he's freakishly I athletic. Mean, he's not very big, of course. I mean, I, I don't think he really packs that much of a punch. Well, let's talk about that. Okay, first of all, diving deep into this fight, okay, moments before Nate Robinson got knocked out. Yeah. And I mean, it was violent, dude. It was not. It was I, not he got a, knocked to the ground multiple times. It wasn't times. like, yeah, no, it was like three times in less than a yeah, minute it, and a half, probably. Two minutes, something like that. The canvas was his friend Saturday night. It was brutal. Anyway, Nate Robinson, the, the fight starts, Nate Robinson comes out flying. For some reason, he started charging Jake Paul and <laughs> swinging. And that just was not good because, number one... Jake Paul's way bigger than Nate Robinson, so he's already got the reach. Right. And number two, he was not playing any defense. He just left his <laughs> face wide open. And yeah. Jake Paul was on a mission to kill him, and he pretty much did. I mean, he he really connected with a few crazy right hooks and just absolutely knocked him out. Yeah. So, And I, I was watching this live with you, E, and I remember this is exactly what I said to you. Because when he went down the first time and he barely got up with, I think, nine and a half seconds <laughs> to go. I, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure how he even got up in the first place. The ref was being pretty generous. But I, I'm starting to think the ref wanted him dead because he let him <laughs> kept fighting after the first knockdown. But I remember I was like, oh, dude, I, I, this, this looked so bad that I thought it was scripted. Because I, it was so bad. The way he hit the canvas, the way he hit the floor. I mean, it was terrible. So he gets back up after getting knocked down. And he's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And he, he wasn't good, turns out. And he gets, five seconds later, just gets annihilated. He and and that's, that's when I thought he was dead. And I, I thought the, the tale of Nate Robinson had come to an end. Well, he was out cold for probably 30 seconds. Like, yeah. I was actually starting to get worried he wasn't going to get back up. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, did we really it, just witness a homicide on national yeah. TV pay-per-view? Like, what is going on right now? It gave me flashbacks of in Rocky Four when Apollo Creed just absolutely dies at the hands of Ivan Drago in that movie. And he's like on the ground seizing and stuff. And it's just terrible. It's a terrible look. I thought that's what was going to happen to Nate Robinson on Saturday night. 
poor Nate Robinson. Apparently, you know, driving the lane in an NBA. You know, that proves my point. The NBA is soft. Okay? That's right. That's right. An NBA player got knocked out by a YouTuber. <laughs> That's and right. NBA, you hate to see it. Yep. Nope. I agree. NBA was, it's just not the same as it used to be back in the 80s and it's 90s. Not it's the just same. not. It's not. But props to Jake Paul, I guess. He's about the cringiest guy on the planet. He did beat the crap out of Nate Robinson, though. And yeah. apparently, Conor McGregor is next, according to Jake Paul. So That's right. Um, and uh, also, who was, who was the one guy he also called out? The the other basketball player? What oh, was his yeah. name? Austin McBroom. He, Austin McBroom. Yeah, the college basketball player. He played for St. Louis, the Billikens. Oh, that's and right. didn't he lead their team in three-point percentage? Yeah. yeah, our stat guy is telling me right now as we speak, he led the Billikens in three-point shooting and in percentage during the 2013-2014 season. So I don't know what Jake Paul is all about, but he loves fighting former basketball players. Also, Austin McBroom became a huge kind of internet sensation. So I'm reading into it has, a little bit right now. He has right more now. than 6 million followers on Instagram. So I'm reading into it right now, and apparently all of their beef started over who started the original Hype House or something. I don't know. Okay. I, we're not getting into TikTok drama uh, on this podcast. I prefer that we don't. But Austin McBroom, look out. Jake Paul, well, he wants it. I'm I'm on his page right now. It says he's an Instagram star. He's the number 163rd most popular something. Most popular in something. I don't know what that means. But hey, get this. He was also on the same high school state championship team as Drew Holiday. So look out, Nate Robinson. I think Austin McBroom, do you think he kind of poses a bigger matchup for Jake Paul in the ring? I don't know. I'll tell you what, I just looked up his height, and no, he does not stand a better chance than Nate Robinson did, because oh, they're both no. they're both 5'9". What is with Jake Paul picking on little dudes? Yeah, fight someone your own size, Jake. That's why they say it. Fight someone your own size. Jake's got to do it. Stop doing it. Yeah. But you know what? I think you should fight McGregor. I really want it to happen. I, you know, that would be just clean comedy. Well, speaking of clean comedy, that was the preliminary fight. Yeah, I um, thought that wasn't even the uh, the main event of the night. Right? I mean, how about Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., both in their 50s? You know, a lot of hype coming into this fight. I don't know. What what did you kind of see from that fight? Well, I saw a couple things. Number one, I saw two old dudes throwing punches, man. They're throwing haymakers, I was impressed. Mike Tyson looked good. Oh, my goodness. I I don't know if that's just... I mean, we're not used to seeing this kind of boxing. I mean, just the sport of boxing in general has kind of faded over the years. So I don't know if we're just not used to it, but they were throwing some punches. I mean, they were getting physical. Well, the total... The game of boxing has changed in general. People are more defensive now, and it's more of a controlled strike type of game, right? Floyd Mayweather, for example. Right, exactly. Like, he he wears people down by being patient, and then he attacks, you know? And in Mike Tyson's day and age of boxing... It was just beat the hell out of each other until someone falls down. Right. And usually Mike Tyson was the one standing up at the end. But these two old dudes, man, they were chucking. The body shots were flying. The head shots That's were right. flying. It looked great. I thought it was a good fight. But, boy, was I disappointed when they announced it in a draw. Oh, it my ended gosh. ended in a draw. That was so disappointing. You know, for me, that was actually the, the second most disappointing thing that happened to me that, during that fight. The number one most disappointing thing was that he didn't bite Roy Jones's ear off. <laughs> I mean, he, I, I was expecting on that? I was. I, I might have put some money down in Vegas and, you know, bet on him biting his ear off. So, oh, Well, okay, you want to talk about betting on this fight. How about all of those <laughs> yeah. poor people? And oh. how about all of the casinos and all of the sports books? That didn't make a dime off of that fight. What a because waste. Because they ended it in a draw. Can we talk about, too, how they both of the fighters were just totally fine with 
having the fight ended in the draw. Yeah. I mean, that was the most exhibition fight I've ever seen. Like, it was kind of fun to watch them, you know, go at it and stuff. But obviously, I mean, it was it's only two minutes each round, and they only fought eight rounds. Right. So, I mean, you know, it was interesting to say the least. It was I don't definitely know. an exhibition fight. But, you know, I mean, I was just glad with us, we aren't old enough where we ever got to see Mike Tyson fight. Right. So that was kind of cool to be it able to cool. see him at least one time. Granted, yes, it was an exhibition fight, and he's put on 15 years since his last fight. <laughs> Another pure comedy moment was after the, that fight, okay, after they announced the draw, Okay. they were interviewing both Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, and Mike Tyson got a little bit upset that everyone was asking how Roy Jones was doing after the fight. But, you know, Mike Tyson was really, really upset. Here's the clip. A lot of people were afraid, Roy, you might get hurt tonight. Were you really afraid in the back of your head that something could happen that, that might have put you in peril? I was afraid I might get hurt. I, I, I didn't fight in 20 years. He only f- stopped fighting for three years. I'm afraid I might get Why nobody care about my ass? Well, that's fighting, typical, right? He fighting 15 years. He stopped fighting three years ago, and everybody worrying about his ass. No, nobody thinks that a giant is going to fall. I haven't did this in 15, 16 years. I'm not a giant. I'm a beginner. Did he ever hurt you tonight? Well, listen, he, he surprised me with the hook. He hit me with a hook, a good it hook. Hurt. Yes, it did hurt. Now, E, Mike Tyson might have a point here. I mean, he hasn't fought in 15, 16 years. Can we put some respect on his name and stop sleeping on the guy? Why does no one, nobody care about Mike Tyson? I, you know, I don't know. I, he was visibly upset that the... Uh, the interviewer asked Roy Jones about his just the state of his physical health after the fight. Can I can I ask you something too about this? Did you understand one word of both of that the, the whole interview from both Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson? Did you understand one word that they were saying during that whole interview? Because I didn't. Griff, think about this. Can you film? Can you translate that for for me? E? I, I, fill me in. Out of all of the fights on this on that Saturday night, okay. Nate Robinson and Jake Paul, and then now this fight. All four of them are horrible interviewees, except oh. for maybe Nate Robinson was okay. He was kind of well-spoken until oh, Jake Paul started chirping at him. All of it was just madness. This whole night of boxing was just an absolute shit show. Well, I can say this one thing for certain. that They did definitely did not take public speaking classes in their educational days. You know, I, the way they were talking, it was just like, why? I didn't know a human being could talk like that. If Jake Paul ends up fighting Conor McGregor, can you imagine oh. how hilarious those press conferences are going to be? Oh, we're going to have so many sound bits on the show. We're just going to insert them at random times. It's going to be great. <whistles> All right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, just the whole boxing just madness over the weekend. Let's let's talk let's talk about the NFL and what kind of transpired over the weekend. E, what were some some games that kind of caught your eye? Maybe some individual performances that caught your eye? What, what did you like from this weekend? We had a lot of drama. Broncos didn't have a quarterback. Ravens and Steelers, who knows if they're ever going to play. What what kind of did you see? Well, I'll tell you, watching those fights, that was quite a disaster. It okay? was. But you want to talk about a real disaster? How about the Denver Broncos? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to take a turn right now at flaming them. And everybody in the organization, from all four quarterbacks, from not following the rules of keeping your mask on your face. It's very simple. Okay, that. I also blame Denver Broncos management, whether that be the coaching staff, whether that be someone literally in charge of just COVID requirements and making sure everyone is meeting the standards. Somebody needs to bite the bullet on this for the Denver Broncos. How is this acceptable that you go into game day with no quarterbacks? 
Well, how about Fangio coming out today and roasting the quarterback still? I mean, he's putting all the blame in the quarterbacks. This is the same guy in week one against the Tennessee Titans who got fined for not wearing a mask. I think it's hypocritical. I don't know. I think Vic Fangio just has a lot of other issues about his football team that he should probably be worrying about right now. Like, you know, winning football games and possibly saving his job by the end of the year. But it was just, wow, it was something that I've never seen before. I've just never seen anything like it. It was incredible. I just can't. I have no words. It's so... It's just such a debacle. I don't even know how this possibly could happen. How do you lose the four guys on your entire roster that play the most important position on the field? How do you do that? I mean, you'd think Fangio would have like a, a quarterback stashed somewhere like far away, away from the virus, away from everyone else, just in case like a situation like this happens. I mean, you would think that that's just kind of common sense, right? Especially in the times that we're right. living in right now. Well, Josh McCown, right. he technically signed to the Houston Texans roster. Right. He's just a quarterback that's off on his own that, you know, Skypes into all of the meetings and everything. But you know what? He's a quarantine quarterback. I think that's what they're calling him. Yeah. But the Broncos don't have any. And now look at the situation they're in. So... Man, what a debacle. I think Vic Fangio needs to be punished. He's all talking about how the quarterbacks need to be punished. No, Vic, you need to be punished for allowing this to happen. That is just such a disaster. That's the one thing, the one position that you cannot lose. You know, I find it rather sad. Just everything that has taken place, especially during the Broncos and Saints game. It it was over before the game even kicked off. I mean, how do you expect a guy like Kendall Hinton to come in He hasn't played the quarterback position in two years. He was working a sales job a month ago. How do you expect this guy to come out and perform the way that they wanted to? I just don't get it. I think it kind of proposes another question for you as well. Was the NFL correct in doing this? I mean, we're seeing all kinds of postponements all year and kind of that lenience for other teams with the COVID protocols and having these games rescheduled and pushed back, like the Ravens and Steelers game getting pushed back to Wednesday now. I mean, do do the Broncos have a reason to be upset? I mean, is it fair for them to be upset at the NFL for not maybe postponing their game? I'll tell you what, it's all of the players have a right to be upset except for the quarterbacks because they broke the rules. Yeah. All of the players have a right to be upset. Kareem Jackson, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, all of these guys who have been speaking out about it have a right to be upset. The Broncos staff and the guys higher up in the organization have zero reason to be upset. They deserve it. But you know what? Quite honestly, the NFL is in the wrong too. How are you going to go and have this double standard of you're able to move the Ravens? You've now moved them three different times. Right. Now they're playing on Wednesday. So, I mean, it, it reminds me of kind of like back when the Broncos were playing the Patriots and they didn't play for a whole month, it seemed like, just because they, they were trying to get Cam Newton back on the field and it kind of felt like the NFL was working with the Patriots in that way. They were. But you know what it comes down to, E? It comes down to the strong ownership of these teams. It's Robert Kraft. Of course he's going to have a say in what the NFL does. It was exactly that way when Pat Bowen was owning the Broncos and when he was still alive and doing his thing in Denver. So I, I, there's just no one in Denver right now to kind of take that accountability and take that leadership, and it's sad. It's it's sad for the Denver Broncos franchise because they're a proud and storied franchise, but it's, they're just going in the wrong direction right now, and it's real sad to see. I 100% agree, and you know what? I think the, the NFL, 
I think they were in the wrong for not working with the Broncos on this. I think that, you know, disciplinary action maybe should have been taken in a different sense. Like, for example, a fine, like when they fined Fangio for not wearing his mask the very first week. You know, something very similar to that. I don't think that they should have forced the Broncos to play that game because that's really tough to play without a quarterback. What are they supposed to do? That literally just makes them forfeit, essentially. Well, and it, it puts other players at risk. Right. Philip Lindsay. He actually got hurt during the game. It was yeah. only a minor knee injury, but he got injured. And that would have never happened had we been playing with a quarterback. Well, and how about the fact that Drew Locke and the other quarterbacks tested negative today as of Monday? Push the game back. Push the game back a day. They could have played it, and it would have been a little more fair for the Broncos. I'm not saying they they would have beaten the Saints. I don't think it really would have mattered. I think they still would have gotten beat down pretty decisively just because of that Saints defense and how good of a team that is. So I don't think... Drew Locke playing in that game would have really mattered that much. But, I mean, come on. Kendall, I, I felt bad for Kendall Hinton. I really did. I mean, props to him. All the respect in the world. He was thrown to the Wolves. Absolutely a, thrown to yeah. the Wolves. And the coaching staff did a terrible job. Also, by the way, I mean, Pat Shermer just... He, I know you don't have a quarterback, but what a terrible game plan that he set out on Sunday. I mean, what, he's, he's dropping back and making Hinton drop back and pass and try to throw with his arm. Well, he's an athlete. I mean, he was an athlete in college at Wake Forest. Why not try to use his legs and try to win the game on the ground and just through the running game? It kind of reminds me of Tim Tebow back in 2011 when offensive coordinator Mike McCoy kind of set up that offense around Tim Tebow and really made sure to kind of orient that running game and make sure to prioritize that running game. So I don't know. It, it's just I don't know what is going you, you on in think- Denver. I, it's just a bunch of boneheads in, in Denver, I you guess. Think, I don't know. You think Shermer would have gotten a hint when Hinton was like 0 for 5 and two picks, I think, already. You know, it was right. like the, the passes are not going to work. The passing game is just non-existent. It's not going to be there. And they were actually somewhat moving the ball when they were running the read option with Melvin Gordon right. and Philip Lindsay. But still, just what a what an absolute disaster uh, there in Denver. Yeah, I mean, Hinton... And now... Now, breaking news out of today, which is, you know, Monday, this was probably around 5 o'clock today on Monday, breaking news, the Broncos signed Pat Shermer's son. What's his name? Kyle Shermer? Kyle Shermer. Yeah, I think he's going to take the reins here and really lead this offense. What do you think, E? Well, if Drew Locke and all of these quarterbacks (laughs) test negative tomorrow, then they're toast for the week, for next week's game. So, he's going to be the starter. And you're going to have a little son and dad (laughs) offensive coordinator crap going on just this is just what a disaster how is this okay i don't know how is john elway not laying the hammer right now on somebody somebody has got to pay for this okay let me give you a hinton stat line real quick and you tell me if kyle Shermer can be better than than kendall hinton was on sunday so hinton was one for nine 13 yards and two interceptions he only completed one pass and I'm not going to lie, I didn't even see it, okay? I did not. Did you see it? What, I did. What what happened on he the play? He threw it to, I think it was Noah Fant. Double check. It was like an 11-yard or 13-yard yeah, game. Was, it was Noah Fant. He threw it on kind of a, it was a crossing route. Yeah. And Noah Fant was open by about six or seven yards. So, I mean, I could have thrown the ball. Okay. Then again, I wouldn't, I mean, you know. So, all the, all the couch quarterbacks out there could have made that play? Is <laughs> that what you're telling me? He just threw it up and okay. Fant was able to bring it in. Well, you know? that was the lone highlight of the day for the Denver Broncos oh, offense. Poor Kendall Hinton. Terrible. Well, what a way to come in and lead your team. Like, I'm very 
very impressed with that guy. That is a dude who I want on my team, not as a quarterback. Right. <laughs> but as a football player, that is a guy, that's the kind of culture you want to bring around. You know, next man up, he was ready to get the call. You're telling me within 24 hours, that guy had no idea he was going to be starting an NFL game, let alone at quarterback, where he hasn't played since 2017, where he was actually benched and converted into a wide receiver at Wake Forest. But props to Kendall Hinton, even though he actually played horrible and the Broncos got absolutely demolished. But that was kind of the main storyline, I'd say, from this last week, except for maybe the Chiefs and Buccaneers, possibly a uh, Super Bowl preview. What did you see from that game, Griff? Well, I, obviously, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, and the stats and everything else kind of just proved that on Sunday. I mean, Tyree Kill had seven catches for 203 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter alone, E. I mean, it was remarkable what this guy was doing. I, In my opinion, I think it's hard not to say that Tyree Kill is one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best. Would He's you agree? top five. I would even argue he might be top three. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I am high on Tyree Kill, and I might even put him at the number one slot. He might be the best receiver in the NFL, I mean, outside of D-hop and stuff. He, just, he brings such an element to the game. He's so fast. I don't know if there has ever been a faster receiver in the game. Well, and that's the thing is everyone says, well, Marquise Goodwin is technically clocked a faster 40. Yeah. And it's like that's such BS because game speed is something else. You don't know how fast someone really is until they hit the football field with all of their pads and see how they run with the pads. And Tyreek Hill's game speed is just on another level. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. I think the Chiefs are just in a different league than anybody else in the NFL. I, they got to be the favorites right now to win the Super Bowl and it's the favorites close. to repeat. I mean, they're ten and one. They won their sixth straight game on Sunday, and they also clinched their seventh ten-win season in their last eight years under Andy Reid. I mean, it's remarkable what Andy Reid's doing over there. I mean, he's obviously been one of the greatest coaches in the league for quite some time now. As for the Bucks, I think there's a lot of unnecessary hate. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they stand at seven and five right now. I know you're kind of high on them right now, E. But they got Tom Brady at quarterback. I mean, it, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think people should be doubting that at all. And you know, you just got to get in the dance. Just get in the dance and make some noise. You never know. It's kind of like there's been so many teams who have been wild card teams at six seeds, all kinds of crazy stuff, and kind of been making runs. So. It kind of just depends on if the Bucs can get hot late in the season. Absolutely. I definitely think the Buccaneers have a real shot at a Super Bowl. I honestly think that they are probably the second best team in the NFC, right behind the New Orleans Saints. I just think if Tom Brady can start to cut down on his turnovers and play real Tom Brady football, I think that Buccaneers have a real shot to take the NFC. I, I really do. You know, in a lot of these games that you've seen the Buccaneers lose, there's a direct correlation with the amount of interceptions Tom Brady's thrown. He threw two against the Chiefs. He threw two against the Rams, three against the Saints the second time, and two against the Saints the first time. Their only other loss that's not included is against the Chicago Bears, where he did not throw any interceptions, but that was kind of a weird fluke game. Right. So I think there's a direct correlation with the amount of interceptions that Tom Brady throws and the amount of losses that the Buccaneers have. Another weakness that I think this team could possibly have is that secondary. Everybody's really high on him, but I don't love it. I don't think it's great. I think their entire defense relies on their linebackers because they have some of the fastest and best linebackers in the league and when you have fast linebackers it makes your defense fast so if those guys start to get stalled out or start to see matchups that they can't really compete in you're going to see that defense really start to quiver well there's no question that they struggled on Sunday I mean the Chiefs had 543 total yards and they only scored 27 points, which I also kind of thought was interesting. Uh, they were kind of penalized a lot, too. They had 10 penalties for 82 yards, which usually won't win you a lot of games, but it's the Kansas City Chiefs, so 
just with that high octane offense, they're kind of able to overcome more penalties than the average team. But yeah, I don't know. They couldn't get off the field on third down. The Chiefs were six for twelve on their third down efficiency. So they couldn't get off the field when they needed to. I don't know. Are you giving them a pass just because it is the Kansas City Chiefs and the best offense in the league? Or have they kind of been showing you in recent weeks past that they kind of are struggling on defense and that they need some help and they got to step it up before the playoffs come around? Well, I mean, they've lost three of their last four. So that's not what you want to see. Granted, that schedule has been really, really difficult. Okay, you played the Saints, and then they walloped the Panthers. They played the, the Rams, who are probably going to be a playoff team as well. Right. And then they lost to the reigning champions, the Chiefs. So those, you know, three of those four games, the ones that they lost, those are really good teams. Now, the last four games of their season, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Falcons again, I think the Buccaneers are probably going to win out. Maybe they drop one to the Falcons, but I yeah. really don't foresee that happening. I think they're probably going to win out, go to the playoffs, be that wild card team. They're going to be okay. Everyone calm down. It's Tom Brady. They well, have a real shot. Yeah. And if you if you say they don't have a real shot, I call BS. It's Tom Brady. Right. You always have a shot. You can't doubt the guy. And the second you doubt the guy, he proves you wrong. So, I don't know. They're seven. They're sitting at 7 and 5 right now. The playoff picture kind of in the NFC is a little more, what would you say, kind of more wide open, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think it's more wide open. The teams left that, you know, can pick up that wild card spots, those three wild card spots are going to be the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, really just those three to pick up those last spots. I mean, the Bears, the Niners, and the Vikings are all five and six and two games back, but I don't really see any of those teams as a threat. Maybe the Niners, but I don't know. Nick Mullins, I don't really see that. So honestly, I think the Buccaneers are going to be fine. They're going to slide right in the, the playoffs, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise. Also, I think the Los Angeles Rams, a lot better than people give them credit for. I really do. I think they are really, really, really talented. Yeah, and that just kind of proves my point, too, with the just the AFC. I mean, the AFC is just stacked right now. I mean, the the Ravens are looking outside of the playoff picture right now at 6-4, and four, yeah. right? And that, they'd only be a game back of the Bucks as of now. So the NFC is a little more wide open, and I think, yeah, people need to pump the brakes just a little bit on the Bucks and kind of just the doubting the Bucks in general, I think. Well, another intriguing game that kind of took place this weekend was uh, between the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, a couple weeks ago, the Colts got the best of the Titans in that kind of close divisional race matchup. But it was the Titans who kind of got their revenge Sunday. Derrick Henry was unbelievable. 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. And the Titans are 8-3 and three right now, a game up on the Colts. Big win for the Titans. Colts definitely needed that game, but just couldn't come through when it mattered. What what kind of did you see from that game that stood out? Man, Derrick Henry is just unbelievable. And he just continues to maintain his dominance, and it's crazy. When he first really started this dominance, I was like, man, there's no way they're going to continue to feed him this much, and he's going to continue to produce at this level. And, wow, he really is. And, you know, I think they found their guy in Ryan Tannehill. I think they I'm, did. I'm really shocked to say it, but I think they did. Perfect he, fit, I think. He fits perfectly. He's just the game manager that they need. He's efficient. He gets it done in the red zone. I'm pretty sure they have the best red zone offense in the league. Don't quote me on that. But they're up there. I, I know that, and that's because of Ryan Tannehill, not just because of Derrick Henry. And that defense is pretty stout, too. I mean, they absolutely manhandled the Colts. The Titans really good going in to the playoffs here. I think they could make some noise again like they did last year, possibly even make it back to the AFC title game. Well, I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he's, he's just playing turnover-free football right now, right? I mean, he's the perfect game manager. He's, he's only thrown four picks all year compared to 23 touchdowns that he's thrown 
which is good for seventh in the NFL. That's pretty good. Right now he's fifth in quarterback rating. So, I mean, that is exactly the kind of guy that the Titans need right now to kind of lead that offense and lead that kind of high-powered run attack that Derrick Henry provides for that team. So, hey, I think it's a perfect fit. I think it's a better fit than when Marcus Mariota was there, if I'm being frank. And not to mention, the Titans have a pretty stout defense. And uh, when you have a good running game and a pretty stout defense, you can kind of dominate that time of possession and keep the ball out of the opposing team's offense. I mean, when you're playing like the Chiefs, I mean, you kind of want to dominate time of possession, correct? Absolutely. So I think the Titans, hey, don't be sleeping on the Titans. I think the Titans are legit, and I think they can kind of definitely make a run in the postseason. No doubt about it. I would absolutely put them, I think, at third in my AFC power rankings, and I would put them right there behind the Steelers and the Chiefs, obviously. But I think they're right there. I really do. I mean, I still think, who's the favorite right now? Is it the Chiefs? I, I would say it's the Chiefs. It's hard not to say it's the Chiefs. I know the Steelers are 10-0 and 0 right now, but... Uh, I just feel like the Steelers are not the, getting I mean, a lot of respect. Yeah. They're the most complete team in football. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I definitely agree. I mean, they have a way more better defense than the Chiefs do, but I think the Chiefs are just the defending champs right now. And, I, I mean, until they're dethroned, it's hard not to pick the Chiefs. All right, E. I got to talk about something that I said last week on the pod. Oh, no. I know it's coming. Uh, it's the New York Jets. They let me down. I had faith in the New York Jets a week ago that they were going to beat the Dolphins and that they weren't going to go winless. Well, guess what, E? They lost, and I don't think it was close. It wasn't close. <laughs> it wasn't. I, Sam Darnold looked terrible. That offense looked terrible. Everything was just atrocious for the New York Jets. I mean, they scored three points. And if if you listeners out here listened to last week's pod, I, I did state that this was the best chance for the New York Jets to win a game the rest of the season. I know you said that they could maybe beat the Cleveland Browns. I don't see that happening just because the Browns are 8-3 and three and playing pretty good football right now. But my goodness, they, they really let me down. I just can't even believe it. I have a bone to pick with the New York Jets now. I hope they lose out. And, you know, they're not even going to get Trevor Lawrence because it sounds like Trevor Lawrence doesn't even want to play for the New York Jets. He's going to come back for his senior year if the Jets have the number one pick, possibly. So, just a real shame out there in New York. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for him either. They kind of did it to himself. Adam Gase continues to be a very bad coach. Didn't they fire their GM? They did. Yeah, there's been a lot of firings of GMs and coaches in the last few weeks in the NFL, which is kind of interesting as well. The Lions got rid of Patricia and their GM, which Which that was overdue as well. I mean, so, of course, there's going to be more firings throughout the league as kind of we get near the end of the season. Kind of like Vic Fangio, I think he's canned as well. I don't think he's going to be coming back next year. That's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I don't know. The Jets are just... I mean, what a mess. Are they, I think they're going to go winless. Disaster, dude. They scored three points. Their team. Darnold went 16 to 27, 197 yards, and he threw two picks. And the only bright spot was, I guess, Frank Gore, the old man himself. I mean, the dude is just ageless at this point. I mean, he had 18 carries for 74 yards. Was is that, that a bright spot, though? Probably on the offense. Yeah, when you only score three points <laughs> and your quarterback point, yes. is, you know, just throwing picks left and right so I guess I mean you could point to the Sergio Castillo 38 yard field goal in the first quarter I don't know that sounds like a pitcher in the in Major League Baseball Sergio Castillo it does that sounds like a, sounds a like middle a reliever for the yeah. San Francisco Giants or something I don't know it's just a, a nightmare out there and you know I I thought the Dolphins were gonna lay an egg I really did and I've come to apologize I was wrong and I am never trusting the Jets again all right, Griff. Well, let's think about this here. The Browns. Are, okay. they, are they the real deal? 
I want to say the Cleveland Browns are the real deal. I do. They're they're sitting at eight and three right now. Uh, I know they kind of were keeping it close with the Jags there on Sunday. I mean, they only won by a score of twenty-seven to twenty-five against the one and ten Jacksonville Jaguars. But hey, Baker Mayfield, he, he's he's doing his best Ryan Tannehill impression right now, is he not? I mean, he's he's the perfect game manager. He hasn't really been turning the ball over too much. I mean, he's only thrown seven interceptions all year. So I think Baker Mayfield's been playing admirably. I'd say. And he's putting the Browns in a position where, hey, they can kind of be a threat in that AFC playoff picture. And, of course, I mean, don't even get me started about their run game. I think they have one of the best run games in the league. And their defense has been showing up as well. So to answer your question, yeah, I do do think the Browns are legit. Uh, I don't think they're going to catch the Steelers at this point just because Pittsburgh's undefeated and whatnot. But they're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, I could see them maybe winning a game or two in the postseason. I mean... But boy, I I just love the way they play football. It's kind of like the Tennessee Titans, right? I mean, they just shove the rock down your throat, and they play good defense, and they don't turn the ball over. So, I mean, I think that's a winning formula in the NFL, and it's something that I think a lot of these NFL teams have kind of shifted towards is kind of just a, a good running game and which is kind of surprising because in, in recent years, you know, we've kind of seen that spread offense kind of make its way into the NFL. And it's kind of been that way for a while now. But I think there's a few teams right now in the NFL that are kind of playing that brand of football. And it's it's kind of refreshing, I'd say. And it's a winning formula, in my opinion. Yeah, you're definitely starting to see, you know, teams go back to that more run-heavy game, especially with these elite running backs. Right. You know, and I think that the Browns have two very, very good running backs. I think Nick Chubb is elite. And I think Kareem Hunt is right up there with him, but he's not quite at that level yet. It's hard not um, to argue that they have probably the best one-two punch among running backs in the league. Well, I, I mean, think that's – I don't think there's any hands argument. Down, I, think I think they're the best. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm right there with you on that. But I think going back to what you were saying about Baker, I listed out my quarterbacks that I would have right now, and Baker fell all the way to 22nd. Okay. I, he was the 22nd best quarterback in the league right now to me. And you know what? I think that's just kind of a sign of what the Browns can be. They're 8-3, and three, and to me, the 22nd best quarterback is their quarterback. Right. So I think if he can play serviceable and continue this turnover-free football like you were just saying, they will start to win games. Now, I think they get capped out like the divisional round in the playoffs. I cannot imagine them going on to the AFC title game right now, especially with Baker playing as the 22nd best quarterback, I really think that he's got to play top 10 to top 15 at least for them to make any noise like that. And he needs to step up his game in that way. But you're right. This recipe of running the football and playing stout defense and trying to keep your defense off the field for as long as possible, it's working in Tennessee and it's working in Cleveland. And that's why they're 8-3. and three. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think it's interesting how you have Baker Mayfield as your 22nd best quarterback in the league. And I think that's a testament of just the good quarterbacks that are in the NFL right now. I mean, I th- there's just some good quarterbacks in the league. I can't remember the last time there were this many amount of good quarterbacks in the National Football League. Right. So, I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting. I think Baker um, has definitely been getting a lot of hate, I say, especially after his performance last year throughout the season and how the Browns kind of just did not meet expectations. Uh, so it's definitely been a good year for the Browns, a nice rebound year for them, and they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in many years. All right, E, how about some games to look out for this weekend? Well, there's not a whole lot this Sunday <laughs> with the uh, NFL well, that's coming, a shame. coming back for Week 13. Not a whole lot, but we do have the Browns and Titans, the battle of the run games. So I expect that to be very low scoring. I think that's going to be a really good game. 
Well, yeah, you said it. There is not a whole lot of games. I mean, there's a lot of losing teams playing each other this weekend. So I, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Arizona to face the Arizona Cardinals. Rams are 7-4, and four, Cardinals are 6-5. and five. That's a huge game in that NFC West race. You know, all three of those teams, including the Seahawks, are all kind of separated within a couple games there with only a few weeks left to go in the regular season. So it should be interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with that game. So, Griff, one last question for you here. Raiders and Jets, are you going to double down this week? Or are the Jets going to win? Oh, the, the Raiders are going to they're gonna take care of business. I mean, they got smacked 43-6 to against the Falcons on Sunday. I don't even know what the line of that game is right now. Oh, I'm seeing it right now. It's Vegas at 8. They're just straight up 8 right now. 8 point, eight point favorites. I'm going to hammer that. Hammer, hammer, hammer the Las Vegas Raiders against the Jets. They, the Jets really hurt me this week. They really did. They hurt my feelings. Any closing thoughts from you, E? Absolutely. Check out our website, showcasesportsmedia.com. Follow us on Instagram at showcasesportsmedia. And if you're listening on Apple Music and like what we have to offer, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and give us a good review. That's going to be a wrap. Cheers from Showcase Sports Media. We'll see you next week.